to 30. Start um, verse 20. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, They are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem at the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my, ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which give them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Maybe may seated. Good morning. What a special day this is today. Not just because we have seven young people joining our church, but most of all, these youth are committing themselves to following Jesus all of their days. This morning, I'm going to be speaking specifically to the class, but I'm convinced that as we go through the sermon, that there will be things that the rest of you can learn as well. If nothing else, reflect back on the commitments that you made to God as you observed this service this morning. Not only to God, but also to the church at the time of your baptism. May I remind you that this day, today, is only an outward expression of what has already taken place in their hearts in the past. I have enjoyed teaching them the last couple months and I sense their desire to follow God. To the class, today is a new day for you. Today is a bright day. There is hope in your day. You have something to live for because of what you have committed your life to believe in. Because of whom you have decided to follow. But after today, then what? Have you arrived in your Christian life because you're baptized today? What is required of me, of you, now that you are a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Can I live my life in ease and enjoyment? Do whatever I want to because I accepted Jesus into my heart. Will your life be smooth sailing because of what happens today? The title of the sermon today is, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I took that title from a song that I'm sure you all know well. And sometime during the sermon, I want to share how this song came about. I want to be speaking a lot from John 10, so if you have your Bibles turned there, that's great. And I want to read verses 27 to 29 again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
These verses are such great blessing and comfort to me to know that God loves and cares for me and you and that he watches over us. Before Jesus said these words, Jesus was talking to some of the people, the Pharisees here in this chapter, that they thought that they were followers of God. They thought they were on the right path, but they were not. And the reason that they weren't following that they weren't followers of God is because that they were not Jesus' sheep. They didn't belong to him. They didn't believe in Jesus, even though the works that he did in his father's name was a witness. They proved that he was the Christ or the Messiah. I'm going to go through verse 27 here. Um, and pick out some of the words that can help us answer some of the questions that I asked in the beginning of the sermon. So the phrase, my sheep. In the first century, one single sheep pen had multiple different flocks. The shepherd had specific sheep that he claimed as his own, and he knew who they were. And the same for the sheep. There, were, there was different men in the sheep pen that were shepherds, but they followed only one because he was their shepherd. He cared for them. As we go through our Christian life, we need to remember that we belong to Jesus. The phrase, my sheep, expresses a sense of intimacy between the shepherd and his sheep. It is more than just knowing about Jesus. It is Jesus having a real connection with his sheep, with us. It is a reality in not only our life, but also in Jesus' life. When we think of the phrase, my sheep, it would also indicate that there are true sheep and there are also false sheep. In verse 26, Jesus indicated that there were other sheep. But they weren't his sheep. They didn't belong to him. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And a verse in John 8, 31, it says, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And in the Amplified, it says, Then you are truly my disciples. This would indicate that there are some that are true disciples of Jesus and some who are not. There are real disciples, and there are unreal disciples. There are false disciples. So what is it about Jesus' sheep that makes us his sheep? I believe we can find the answer in verse 14 through 18 in chapter 10. And it says, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The way that makes us part of Jesus' sheep is because he laid down his life for his sheep. He gave his life 
for us. As Christians, as we go through our, through our life, we should often think about this, that Jesus laid his life down for us, that he died on the cross for us. And I don't think we think about this enough, or at least I don't. I don't think there will be anyone that will fully come to understand on this side of eternity what Jesus' death on the cross really meant, what was all involved. I believe far too many times we water down the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We don't make it for what it truly is. I'm going to read some verses from John 1. If you like to turn there, you may. And I'm still thinking about how we belong to Christ, that we are his sheep, and the price that was paid for it. John 1. And I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 5, and also jumping down and read 9 to 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 9. That was a true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We know that the word that is referred to here is Jesus Christ, because in verse 14 it says, the word that became flesh. The word was in the beginning. The word was with God, and he was God. So, who is God? We're going to ask that question. He is the supreme being. He is the creator. He is the ruler of all that is. The self-existent one. One who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. God is a holy God in whom is absolutely no blemishes of sin. God is also a just God. He gives us what we fully deserve. The same what we said about God, the same can be said about Christ. We see that the Word made all things. All things here on this earth are made by Jesus Christ. We exist. We are alive because of Him. So what is the state of man since God, Jesus has created us? We should look at that right now. And Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 gives a great illust or picture of what man was. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the year, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We became dead 
because of our trespasses and sins. There was absolutely no life in us. And of our own strength, we couldn't make ourselves alive. There is not at all any possible way that we can do that. Those who are dead are separated forever from God. If he would give us what is just, we would be forever living in eternity in hell because that is what we deserve. We were by nature the children of wrath, of God's wrath. But we have the Word. The Word is life. Not only did the Word, not only did Jesus make all things, make us exist, there's also redemption through Him. Like Colossians 1.20, it says, He will reconcile all things. There's, he will reconcile all things, whether they're in, in heaven or on the earth. The Word, Jesus, and only Jesus, will give us power to become the sons of God. And because of that power, we have family connection with God. The one who would pour out His wrath on us because of our sin. We belong to him. We are one of his. We are then his sheep. And this happens when we believe on his name. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one sent from God. And to believe in his name is to have full confidence in him, to fully trust in him, there is no other competitors. When we believe in his name, or to believe in his name is so foundational, it needs to happen first before we can be like sheep and follow him. If it is done in any other way or in any other order, you are not trusting in Jesus. You are not believing in his name. We need to receive the life that he offers so that we can be reconciled with God. <clears throat> what happens when we don't do this? When we don't think about how Jesus gave his life for us on the cross? I believe we become proud. We become boasters of ourselves. We, we become independent rather than place our dependence on Jesus Christ. The children of Israel, they struggled with this often in their journeys. God reminded the children of Israel when he said, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. God often reminded them what he did for them. And that quote that I just got done reading is mentioned 44 times in the first five books of the Bible. God often told the children of Israel what he did. He brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This, to the children of Israel, was one of the most, was the biggest event that happened for them. When they recognized, when the children of Israel recognized who God is, and that it was he that brought them out of the land of Egypt, they prospered and did well because God was with them. But the exact opposite was also true. When they forgot about what God did, their life fell apart. They served other idols. 
They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's remember as we go through life that we are His sheep. We belong to Him. The next phrase in John 10, it says, I know my sheep. There are many people that say that they know Jesus. But the real question that we need to ask ourselves, does Jesus know us? I'm going to read some verses from Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And this is a picture of those that thought they followed Jesus, but he didn't know them. And it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The reason that Jesus didn't know them is because they didn't do the will of the Father. They were those that work iniquity, those who were without the law. They didn't have the law in their hearts. <clears throat> we can ask the question, what was the law for? What is, I think it was Romans, Paul asked, or told us what the law was for. The law was our schoolmaster. The law showed us that we couldn't be perfect with just us by ourselves and the law. The law brought us to Christ because we needed Christ so that we could be perfect through only Christ's righteousness alone. What is the will of the Father? Like it says there in Matthew 7. I'm going to read some verses from John 6, 35 to 40, which tell us about the will of the Father. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto, unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father give, giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. And catch the next phrase. That all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the will of the Father is that all that he gave Jesus, that Jesus would lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. In other words, it is salvation for all those that he has given to Jesus. To the class, make sure that Jesus knows you. Do the will of the Father. And may I say, the work of salvation is something that continues. It is not just a past event. It is also a present event. And it is also something that will happen in the future. Continue on believing. Believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as a Messiah, one sent from God. We need to continue on fully trusting in Jesus as we go through life. Let's look at the next phrase in verse 27 of John 10. Jesus' sheep, they follow him. 
<clears throat> what does it mean to follow Jesus? When my children were younger, they followed me wherever I went. And that was because they trusted in me. They believed me. They believed that I would care for them. They believed that I would stick up for them. And because of that, they followed me. My children never followed anyone that they didn't trust in, that they didn't believe. And so it is with Jesus. When we believe in him, when we trust in him, we will follow him. As we go along in our Christian life, our faith in Jesus will grow more and more. Our trust and faith in Jesus should not be the same as it was five years ago, but it should have increased. To follow Jesus means that he has become everything to us. I had said that we exist, we are alive because Jesus made us. But the same is the case in our spiritual life. We exist spiritually only because of Jesus. He's become everything to us. It is not just that we follow him on Sundays, nor is it just when we are around our Christian friends. Following Jesus affects not only our church life and the Christian friends that we may have, but affects our businesses and how we run it. It affects our recreation time and how we use it. It affects our school life, our life at home with our families, the times when we are all alone and no one is watching us. Do you truly follow the Lord? Let's look at the requirement to following Jesus. Matthew 10, 37-39. And it says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. What is he saying here in Matthew? If we love our families, we can't follow Jesus? Is that what he's saying? No. If people that you associate with, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your friends or child or parent or whatever it may be, if they cause you to fall away from God, you are not worthy of him. If you care more about your friends or your family than following Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus. The cross in Jesus' time met a cruel, harsh death by the Romans. In other words, it was a self-sacrificing, your sacrifice. And I believe that is what he is referring to here in Matthew. Sacrificing our own lives for the sake of Christ. Whoever lives a life of self-gratification will lose it at judgment day. But whoever puts to death the sinful deeds of the body will gain everlasting life in the end. <clears throat> and that may mean persecution for us. Are we willing to follow Jesus no matter what the cost? Well, there are other ways besides just persecution, that we can give up of ourselves here in this life. <clears throat> it's not just persecution. Give up, like I said, self-gratification. Give up our sinful desires, sinful deeds of the body. 
for the sake of Christ. One way that we know if we truly or that we're tr- one one way that we know if we are truly following the Lord is by abiding in His Word. John eight thirty one and thirty two. I referred to these verses before, but I'm going to read them again. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What does it mean to continue in His Word? It does not mean that you can just read it once a week or once in a while. The word continue means to remain, to abide. You don't depart from them. To find answers in life, to find answers about God's will for you, you go to Jesus' word. Do we depend on Jesus' word? Is it a constant part of our life? Are we abiding in His Word? What is His Word? In John 1, He is referred to the Word. Take note of the singular form, not only in John 1, but also in John 8. My Word. This notes a completion to the Word. There is no more that needs to be added. Hebrews 1, 1 1-2 says, God, who had sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in times past, Unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God has spoken to us through his Son. And it's not just the New Testament. It doesn't mean that the Old Testament is not for us today, because Jesus didn't necessarily speak them, or then. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament talks about. The Old Testament is vitally important, just like the New So what is His Word? It is all of Scripture. That is His Word. It is not just the commandments. Sometimes when we think about following Jesus, we think about just the commandments. It's more than just the commandments. It is also the promises that He gives. Do we have full confidence in the promises that He gives? Even if we don't understand it, or if we don't want to believe it, it is still His Word. When we continue in His Word, we are His disciples. The word are is a present tense form. It doesn't say that if we continue in His Word that we become or that we might be His his disciple. We are His disciples. So we could ask the question, how are we in the Word? What does it mean to be in something? This speaks of a resting place. It speaks of a fixed position. Are we fixed in the Word? 2 Timothy 3, 13-15, it says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus, which is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> we are living in a day where there are so many false teachers in our world. But in spite of that, Paul was encouraging Timothy 
and likewise for us as well to continue to abide in the things that you have learned from the scriptures from little up. Don't depart from them. It is that that will make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And also a verse from Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. The things that you learn in the scriptures that build up your faith or trust in Jesus. We are to fight strenuously. Do all that you can to have the pure gospel that was given to the saints. So what are the rewards of following Christ? What are the blessings of following Christ? And I would like to emphasize these rewards are for those who follow Christ. There are many people that like the rewards in this verse, but don't realize what they need to do or they don't want to do what it takes to receive the blessings or the rewards. The first one, God will give you eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. It is desire to know God and to continue more and more in the knowledge of Him. And I get that from John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Eternal life is knowing God. Another blessing that we will receive if we follow Christ is you will never perish. To perish is to have the loss of true or eternal life. To be delivered up to eternal misery. To be forever separated from God without ever being able to experience the knowledge, like I talk about, the knowledge of God. Did you catch the word never? If you follow Jesus, you will never, never perish. The next reward or blessing that we see is no man will be able to pluck you out of Jesus' hand. In other words, no man will ever be able to take you by force from Jesus. You are in Jesus' hand. We choose, you choose, whether we or you believe in Jesus or not. And God will bless you richly. Our God, another blessing that we can see is our God is greater than all. And what a great blessing to serve a God like that. I had said in the beginning of the sermon that I will talk about how the song, I have decided to follow Jesus and where they came from. And maybe as young Christians, this song shouldn't be said, or the story of this shouldn't be said because, but what I want to emphasize, the commitment to following Jesus is what it takes. The song, I have decided to follow Jesus, comes from a man who was persecuted because of his faith in Jesus. There was a missionary from Wales that went to northeast India to spread the gospel. The natives there were headhunters. One of the natives, his wife and his two children, eventually became born again. Because of this man's faith, 
the other villagers began to accept Christianity. The village chief called for a meeting with the villagers. He asked the first one of, his village, of the villagers that was saved to renounce his faith or face as ex execution. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have de decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. <clears throat> Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As the, two, as the boys lay dying, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith? You, lo you have lost your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man sang these words in reply, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be shot down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to, de to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man sang the final memorable lines, The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their death, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a man who had lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind the family's death, behind the family's faith, and I too want to taste that faith. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Like we see in this story, the man who died followed Jesus. He had complete trust and confidence in his Savior. And we don't need to wait till death calls us home to have that kind of faith. Let's start today, tomorrow, next year, the rest of our lives. To the class, may you be found faithful to God when you meet Jesus faith to faith. Spend time in his word. Strive to be more like Christ. Focus yourself on Jesus. And I pray that you'll be able to hear the most beautiful words that you will ever hear. Well done, the good and faithful servant. Let's stand to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for the plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I pray, God, that you just help each one of us, Lord, to be faithful to you, that we would honor and glorify you, that we would give praise to you. I pray, God, for Josh, for Nathan, for Nathaniel, for Malia, for Kayla, Katrina, and Sierra. I pray you just bless each one of them today. God, and direct their day today, not only today, but this coming week, 
not only this coming week, but Lord, the rest of their lives. I pray, God, that they would be faithful to you. I pray, God, that they would, their focus would be on you. Their minds would be fixed on you. Thank you, Lord, for their testimony. I pray, God, that you would just continue on guiding and directing us in our service today. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.